The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special Investors Business Daily installment of Barron's Live. It's Ali Korm and Justin Nielsen here from the IBD content team. And today we're going to be talking about how to make smarter trading decisions using different time frames. So we like active trading, Justin, and using all the different time frames can be super helpful to make sure you're not too quick. A quick on the trigger or like a deer in the headlights, really using those different timeframes to our advantage. Yeah, the reality is we really have to speak to a lot of different audiences about trading and everyone has their con- their own personality, what works for them, and their own goals. So you really, at a certain point, do have to figure out what's right for you in terms of the uh, the time frame that you want to use for your goals. Look, when I was younger, I traded a lot differently than I do now that retirement is starting to look a little bit closer. Uh, so there's a lot of things that go into that decision. And we'll talk about some of the things that are more in common Uh, for almost all traders and the things that you're going to have to figure out for you specifically. Exactly. That's such a great point. It really depends on what your trading personality, like what timeframes you may leverage more in different ways. So finding a good stock is not the same thing as handling it well. I mean, Justin, I don't know about you, but there Early in my trading career, there were a number of times where looking back, it was like, hey, I, I was in that stock and yeah. it it ended up going on a fantastic move that I missed out on because whether on the buy side, the hold side or the sell side or a combination of all of those things, I just mishandled it. My timing was off, but that's why really having an understanding of how to use these different timeframes, like different tools in your toolbox, uh, you know, whether it is again on the buy side, holding or sell side can just be so, so important uh, to help make those smart buy and sell decisions. So we're going to get into the different timeframes, like Justin said, the similarities, the differences. But first, before we do that, let's talk about what the different timeframes are that we're talking about here, Justin, that are so helpful for every trader to have a good understanding of. Yeah. So, I mean, you're really looking at... um... If we wanted to boil it down to maybe just like the top three, uh, you have kind of the position trading that, uh, you, you know, you're holding leaders for kind of the the bulk of their move. Uh, this could be holding things for months, uh, as, you know, weeks, and it really is going to depend on how well the stock is doing. Um, you also have longer term traders who uh, might be holding more like years. Uh, and then you have your swing traders that are more on the days to weeks. Um, and of course, you know, if you really want to, go even further down, you've got your day traders that are making their decisions and basically closing out their positions within minutes uh, sometimes or hours. So uh, there, there really are those different timeframes that you're looking at. And you might ask, well, what, you know, where, where should I fit in? You know, part of it depends on how much time you have, how much time you have to spend looking at the markets. Uh, if you have a, a day job and trading is something that you're doing on the side, uh, 
some jobs are a little bit easier to trade around than others. Uh, I couldn't imagine being in surgery and uh, having day trades on where you're trying to, you know, what do you do? Put the scalpel down while you uh, make a quick trade on your phone? Uh, that certain types of things just wouldn't fit with your lifestyle. So there is that aspect. And, you know, how how open to volatility are you? Uh, because if you're trading some of these high octane names, uh, that can be very good on a short-term basis if you're getting in and out for these quick gains. Uh, but that volatility is something that is not for everybody. So there are really a lot of different factors that come into play here. Right. And so traders also often ask us, okay, well, what time frame then should I be looking at based on what my holding time frame is? So let's just go through the different time frames that we look at. Obviously, you have your daily chart. So you have your, your price bars and your volume bars representing one day of action. We also look at weekly charts a lot. Stepping back to a monthly chart can also be really helpful. And then there's also the different intraday timeframes. Justin, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, you can go, you know, 60 minute charts, 30 minute charts, uh, down to a single minute charts, if, if that's what you need to do. But you have to be careful that, uh, it's it's useful, I think, to sometimes look at different time frames because the way the stock market works, uh, it, it it does have a lot of fractal patterns, right? Where you'll see on the intraday chart a cup with handle, you zoom out and oh, I see the cup with handle also on a daily chart in kind of uh, a longer term time frame, and sometimes you can see that in a monthly chart. Even um, you know one of the things we've been talking about lately is that the market itself right now, the Nasdaq Composite. If you kind of looked at it recently, it, it is kind of on the daily chart coming out of this cup with handle. But let's zoom out to a monthly chart, and amazingly, you kind of see that you know you've got this even bigger longer term you know going all the way back to 2020 2021 uh as the start and you've got a cup with handle pattern here so uh you know same thing a lot of people are looking at this uh the gold trade gld if you look at a monthly chart you've got this big uh big long you know cup with handle that we're potentially coming out of and you know if you look at the daily you're also seeing some some patterns there so it's it's one of those things where on the longer term, those monthly charts are very useful because if you're trying to hold something for a long time, you don't want to be get, getting shaken out by these little wiggles, you know, and it, it's very easy to do. So you do kind of need to put that long term perspective in there. And mm -hmm. you might also be using different moving averages. So uh, for a long term perspective, you might be looking at the 200 day moving average line or the 40 week moving average line uh, a little bit more closely. Um, if you're doing more of a day trade or swing trading, you're going to be maybe focused a little bit more on the five day. Uh, moving average line or the 10 day moving average line and then position traders that are kind of in between there uh, they might be a little bit closer to the 21 day moving average line and the 50 day moving average line as their uh, as their moving average lines of choice right i think that's so so critical here is all the different time frames that we're looking at look for those patterns look for highs and lows and reversals and moving averages for those different time frames and you can use those whether you're you're buying 
looking to hold a stock or on the sell side. Um, and I think each of the different timeframes, it tells a different part of the story too, because mm-hmm. something could really be moving on the intraday and you take a step back to the daily and it, you know, it, it puts that move into perspective and you keep zooming out and it adds different perspectives, something maybe leading in the short term over the last couple of months, but then you, uh, on a daily, but then you go back to that monthly chart and it's still way, way, way off the all-time highs. And maybe there's some overhead resistance there. So it's these different, um, parts of the picture or parts of the story that those different timeframes tell you. And I think they're all critical to take into consideration when you're making those trading decisions. There could be one time frame that you favor uh, for, you know, this is this is going to be the determining factor of, of making that trade. But I think it's important to get information from those different timeframes before making those decisions. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the overhead resistance because this is something that's very easy to miss when you're looking at a shorter term time frame. Uh, but as you kind of zoom out, you can start to see, oh, look, you know, it's it's not just about what's happening right here. It's about what's happened in the recent past or even further back. Because look, if there are market participants that are holding upstart here uh, at 400 or 300, you got to figure that you know, they're, they're not very happy with their choices right now. And so as you start coming up, uh, there is the potential for those folks to just say, look, I'm, I'm just happy to get out at even. And that could put selling pressure on a stock. It's very different when you're in new high ground and that you have what's so-called blue skies ahead, nothing that's kind of impeding the progress for your stock. But uh, it's certainly it's certainly something that you do want to keep in mind because look, there's a lot of psychological elements that go into trading and you've got to figure that there are market participants uh, that sometimes are gravitating towards certain prices. Uh, you can sometimes see congestion where there's an area of uh, a lot of trading around a certain price. And if you're zoomed in too far, you might miss some of those clues. Yeah, exactly. So here's a look at a weekly chart of ServiceNow, which has been a leader in the recent market rally. And if you were on a daily chart, uh, you know, this round number of 700, mm-hmm. you uh, wouldn't have the context that you get at the weekly chart, which shows you that right at that 700 level at the prior highs is where it started running into trouble. So that's just a, a great clue here for traders. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that ServiceNow is done by any, yeah. Yeah, yeah, by any stretch, but it is uh, very useful to have that, uh, especially when you see a stock that's getting a little extended and you're thinking, okay, how, how high can this go? And this comes back to our holding decisions, right? When you're trying to make a decision, is this something that I should hold here or uh, should I take a little bit off the table? Remember, it doesn't have to be all or nothing with your sell decisions. Sometimes what a lot of traders will do is they'll have kind of a core position that they trade around. So they hold, you know, maybe, you know, 500 shares and then, uh, they see an opportunity to kind of add. So they'll add maybe a hundred or 150, 200 shares. Uh, and then as the stock starts getting extended or maybe to a prior area of resistance, maybe they take those shares off and keep their core, their 500 shares. Uh, so a lot of times you can trade around a position, uh, while keeping the bulk of it so that you still have that low average cost stock. Now, other folks might be very comfortable taking the profits, booking them, running uh, to the next stock. And sometimes they'll revisit the same stock if it sets up again. And there's no problem with doing that either. 
Mm -hmm. So Justin, let's go through, what do you think? Those different trading styles that we talked about or different timeframes of holding and what the key signals traders should be using to keep them at, let's, let's start with maybe something that it is not our typical, we're more in the swing trading to position trading, but what about traders who just really want to hold a stock for a, a big move, want something that's low maintenance. Maybe we can take a look at something like uh, Microsoft here. How might we use uh, the weekly or even the, the monthly chart to keep us in something like this? Well, a few things that you might start with is uh, earnings. You know, it's not just about the technical picture here. It really is uh, a kind of a merging of both the technical action and the fundamental action. And certainly with Microsoft, you have a couple things that are helping out. Uh, the earnings, this has a long-term earnings growth rate. So you can see that on this MarketSmith chart, we've got a 21% uh, earnings growth rate. That tells you that over the last three to five years, it's been growing 21% a year. So imagine if you could do that with your salary, that wouldn't be too bad, right? And just uh, you know, three years time or a, a little bit uh, more, you would double your salary. So that's that's a good start. The other element here is that Microsoft actually has very stable earnings. So this earning stability that's below it, uh, the lower number here, it goes from one to 99, but that lower number of six tells you that Microsoft does have more stable earnings. And this is what we tend to look for in long-term leaders, but that's not enough. We also wanna see that it's a stock that's able to outperform. How do we know that? We look at the relative strength line. This relative strength line that you see on the chart here, it's kind of a wiggly line. What it does is it just compares that stock to the S&P 500. If it's going, if that line is going up, that means Microsoft is outperforming the S&P 500. If it's going down, it means it's underperforming. And what you're looking at, it's not so important what's happening on a week-to-week -week basis, but what is the trend? If you can kind of draw a line and see visually that this is a stock that is outperforming the S&P 500, that kind of lets you know, hey, I'm in the right spot. Uh, so this is kind of some of the things that we look for on the long-term leader side, uh, mm -hmm. things that we're going to hold. And of course, you're going to want a story here. Uh, if you go to the monthly chart, it's worth remembering that Microsoft had this phenomenal move uh, back in the 90s. I mean, it was it was one of the darlings from 1991 uh, to 2000 top. It, it just had such a strong move. And then it did nothing for like 15 years. So what changed? Well, they had this, you know, really interesting operating system and windows and everything like that, that kind of drove their growth in the nineties. And then they switched to cloud computing. And that was what really kind of drove their earnings from there and started a, a, a big move uh, 15 years after their top in 2000. Not every stock from the dot-com bubble did the same thing. There are some that are on the ash heap of history and you just don't even remember their names anymore, even though they were the big high flyers back then. Uh, when was the last time you thought of America Online or something like that? Um, so, you know, the, Microsoft was able to kind of reinvent reinvent itself and have a story behind it. We're always talking about the N, the new, uh, what is it that's going to be driving those profits uh, further? And of course, Microsoft is potentially opening a new chapter uh, beyond cloud computing. Now it's about AI. So this is something that could be driving earnings for the future. Right. And then I think on the weekly timeframe, if you 
really just at its basics. This is something that Scott St. Clair on our team and I talked about on uh, past Barons Live. If you uh, really just want to start incorporating one bit of technical analysis into your trading routine, if you're typically a buy and hold trader, use the 40 week line or the 200-day line, as you mentioned, Justin. So that's the black line on the chart. So in the prior COVID move for Microsoft, that could have helped keep you in it until the early days of the bear market where it closed below that level, then started hitting resistance. And then perhaps maybe the time to get in was in March where we saw some nice volume coming into the stock and shares getting back above that level. Also, the trend of that line changed. It went from a downtrend, started flattening out and then moving higher. So I think that's just one very, very basic tool. We like uh, using a little bit more of a, of a scalpel to uh, get in and out of some of these stocks. But I think if you're a very long-term trader and you haven't used any technical analysis, I think that's one place to start. Also, the risk management piece Justin, I think it's something to talk about before we get into the uh, other timeframes too, because no matter what your time frame is, you need to have proper risk management rules in place. Yeah. I mean, if you read uh, a lot of books about some of the greatest traders of all time, uh, whether they're historical or even current traders, they all have something in common. And that is that they have some pretty firm risk management rules. Now, those risk management rules might differ depending on the volatility that different personalities can handle. But the what makes what makes a great trader a lot of times is longevity, being able to stick it out for the long term. And if you take losses that are too large, that really affects your longevity. You you just can't, uh, you know, for one, a lot of people will throw in the towel. If they take too big of a loss, they're going to say, look, this is not for me. I've got to, I've got to get out of here and, uh, you know, try something else. Maybe, maybe it's real estate or maybe it's just, I stick with my day job. Um, but, you know, there's also uh, this, this sense of if you can keep your losses small, then you don't have to dig yourself out of a hole each time to get back into new high ground and to make further progress. It's it's kind of like, you know, taking the the elevator up, getting off on a high floor and then taking another elevator up as opposed to taking an elevator down a number of floors and then trying to make progress that way. So, it's already hard enough when you have a tax hit uh, that's taking some of your capital away from you. That's why tax advantage accounts are so great, but uh, it's even worse when you've got a drawdown that is, you know, something that's avoidable. You know, I mean, taxes aren't avoid, you know, aren't something you can avoid, but drawdowns are. And the way you do that is by keeping losses small, not taking those big hits. Um, and remember, you know, you can always buy a stock back if you find that you got shaken out of it and uh, it ends up setting up again. Uh, you can always buy it back. You know, it's very easy to do so, especially with online trading now. It's not like you have to, you know, call your broker or, you know, send send a telegram to your broker anymore. You know, everything is done with a click of a button. So always know that you have that flexibility. Um, and the t this is where the technical action really comes in. The fundamental side, the story, the earnings, the sales, all of that really helps you get into the right stocks. But the technical action, what's happening with the relative strength, where is it in relation to those moving average lines, what kind of trend is it in, that's what's going to help you with your timing to make sure you're getting the right stock at the right time. Mm -hmm. And I think the recent bear market is a great example of traders 
maybe they were buying Microsoft in late 2021 when the getting was good, but didn't sell and hold the, held this thing all the way down from its highs of around 345 to its lows of 213 and change. And that is not something that we want to do. We want to be preserving capital, as you mentioned, and trying to give our money an opportunity to grow instead of digging a huge, huge hole that some traders who just held this are just now starting to turn positive. And there are many, many examples of stocks that uh, never come back, yes. much less, you know, take a long time to recover. We showed that 2000 uh, example, this the long-term chart here for Microsoft, 15 years of dead money. Uh, that's, you know, that is far, far, far from ideal. You could be putting money to work elsewhere. And, you know, there's a huge opportunity cost to that. So using these charts can really help make sure that you're, you're not digging yourself that hole. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just take a look at Zoom video, you know, the ticker symbol ZM. Of course, this was one of those uh, darlings during COVID when everyone kind of shifted to I'm working from home. I have to still stay engaged with work. And Zoom was a great way to do that. Um, and it had, a, you know, arguably a phenomenal move that was well deserved. But when it topped, uh, at what point do you start saying, hey, the story has changed on this? Uh, you know, you can have, again, a very interesting story, a very interesting stock that's, uh, I we still use Zoom every day, but yeah. it's a very different look to the chart now. And at a certain point, you have to recognize, hey, there this might have a good story, a good company, but there is something that's changed with the investor's appetites. And that's where the technical action, the chart can really show you that. So. Uh, you know, just a couple quick rules to kind of wrap up the risk management part. You, you know, if you're at a position trading type thing, uh, Bill O'Neill, the founder of Investors Business Daily, he just recommended, hey, stick with a 7%, 8% stop loss. Uh, that's from your purchase price because that will really keep you out of trouble a lot of times. Now, if you are doing a little bit more long-term, you know, maybe you can bring that up to 10%. But the point is you want to make sure that you can recover you know, fairly quickly. If you let something go down 25%, well, you've got to get a 33% gain to get back to even. If you let it go down 33%, you got to get 50% to get back to even. And if you let it go down 50%, you need to let it get up to 100% to get back to even. And those 100% gains are hard to come by. And then if you get something like a Zoom, I should mention that the average leader corrects 72% off of its top. Uh, so if you get one of those, you need like a 300% gain just to get back to even. So you have to avoid those big, big losses. And so by keeping it seven to 8%, that's going to keep you out of a lot of trouble. If you're doing more short-term trading, you're actually going to have to make it even tighter than that, maybe even 3%. Yeah, exactly. So uh, to answer Gabriel's question, how long to keep a, a losing position, it's, more of a matter of where it is in terms of the, those key levels on the chart and the percent above or below, in this case, if it's a losing position, where you purchased it versus, okay, you know, if this, if this isn't working after two to three years of me holding it, then I'll throw in the towel. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, you have to have that percentage, but yeah, at a certain point, if, uh, if, if it's just not moving, then you might have to have, what is my time frame where I have to move on and go to other things? Now, you have to be careful of not doing it too much because you can 
you know, easily suffer that problem that we've all seen at the grocery store where you're in one lane and it doesn't seem to be going that quickly. You shift to a different uh, checkout lane and then the one that you were in starts going. You know, it happens on the freeway, it happens in the grocery stores, it can happen with stocks. Um, but one of the things that can really help you though is again, if you get that fundamental story, you get the right stock and you're kind of getting it at the right time. This is going to be one other element that we should really touch on is buying right will solve yes. a lot of your holding and selling problems. So whether you're a long-term investor, a short-term investor, uh, getting your entry right is is very critical. So make sure that you're really focusing on those triggers. You know, And again, this is where the technical action can really help. Uh, you, you see it break above certain areas of resistance or you see it get support in a very logical place. And so by looking at charts, you can kind of identify what are the ranges that this tends to move in? What moving average line tends to provide support to the stock? And by kind of understanding the personality of the stock, you can trade it better. Exactly. And I think NVIDIA is a nice example of that. So now let's talk about position trading. And here's a look at NVIDIA, one of the leaders this year. Not only did it get above that black line on the weekly chart, the 40-week line, but also the red line, which is the 10-week moving average. And that is a key, key level that a lot of us position traders use on the buy side hold side and sell side, Justin. Yeah. And what's what's even better is once it kind of got above there, and remember, January of this year was the start of a big rally in the NASDAQ. And to a large degree, a lot of these mega cap companies like NVIDIA, the so-called Magnificent Seven, really carried the indexes to a large degree this year. Um, but one of the things that NVIDIA did that was nice and orderly and kind of set yourself up for a certain personality is it held that 10-week moving average line all the way up. It came down to it a couple times, got support, but never broke below it in a significant way. And when you get a stock, again, kind of showing you that type of personality, it becomes a lot easier to hold on to it because you can kind of use that line in the sand. Now, you should also be very aware if you're using a moving average line, let's say the 10 week moving average line, you have to be very aware when you start getting extended from that line. Because I think it's a worthwhile exercise to kind of tell yourself, okay, I'm this extended from the 10 week moving average line. And this is what I'm using as my gauge of how much I'll let this come in. If you're 15%, 20%, 30% above that line, are you willing for it to come down 30%? Now, I want to make it very clear. The 7% to 8% rule is from your purchase price, not from the ultimate top. You're going to have, if you're going to hold on to a stock for a long time and have it as a, a, a good position that compounds out and gets you a big gain, you're going to have to sit through some corrections that are more than 7% or 8%. But you're looking at how much can you handle? A lot of times, Bill would say, you've got to be willing to sit through a 20% correction if you're going to hold on to something for a big gain. Um, so you have to kind of decide that for yourself. How much pain can you take? Knowing that you're still playing with house money, you still got a gain on the overall stock, but it still hurts quite a bit when you see it 20% lower from where it was. And this is where you also have to kind of give yourself a break. You have to recognize that this is not a game of perfection require, required here. You don't have to be buying exactly at the bottom and you don't have to be selling at exactly at the top. There's a lot of room in between there. Uh, and if you can make good decisions on the in-between, you can make a lot of money in the market. Exactly. So using a decisive close below the 10-week line, Justin, for 
some traders who are wanting to make sure that they retain as much profit as possible, that can be a good signal for traders. It doesn't mean that a stock's move is over, but a lot of times our research shows that the stock is due for a bit of a break. So talk to us about the 10-week line as a sell signal. Yeah. So if you are, again, a position trader, that can be a very logical place where you take some off the table or remove the position entirely, because a lot of times that means you're you're going to be looking at a, a longer base. Uh, think of it in the way that an athlete might get an injury. Um, look, if they, if they kind of uh, stub their toe or something like that, you're going to recover from that pretty quickly. You roll your ankle or break your foot, that's going to require a little bit more uh, time in order to heal. So once you start breaking some of these areas of support, you have to expect that there might be some more time required. And that's exactly what happened with mm -hmm. NVIDIA. Yes, it broke it initially and came right back to new highs, but then it couldn't hold it. It ended up kind of forming this double bottom pattern. It's like a W shape and it kept on coming back below that uh, that 10 week moving average line. But then when it came above the middle of that W, that's one of those triggers that we look for. Uh, that's that's what we consider a buy point. And mm -hmm. once it crossed above that, or you could use a downtrend line, it uh, has been acting pretty good since. Now, it hasn't gotten that much traction yet. It hasn't soared, but it is continuing to get support at that 10-week moving average line. So, so far, so good. And I should also disclose that I do have a position in this myself. As do I. And so if you are trying to capture a big move, another signal that you can use if you really don't want to give up a massive gain all at the break of a 10-week line, you mentioned trading around a core position. So that might be one area to gym, but also look at round numbers, 400. There were uh, times where this hit resistance there, cleared above it, then a number of times that it got support at or above that level. So if you wanted to then switch to a longer term time frame, because that too, maybe uh, you are more of a swing trader, but you have a, everything changes once you get a big cushion in something, right, Justin? And you can start taking those steps back if you're wanting to hold something for a longer move. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Yeah, when, when you're early on in your position, uh, you don't wanna necessarily give it that much room, but once you have some cushion, you are, are in a very different place. Uh, that's where you can be more aggressive, where you can give it more room to wiggle. And you certainly, as you pointed out, a lot of times stocks have their own personality. They have those areas where they get support, where investors come in and pick, pick more shares up or institutions support at a certain level. And the chart really just shows it. So you want to be very tuned in to what those areas of support and resistance are, because they can, again, just help you become a better trader, kind of getting a sense of what the person is and knowing uh, what's normal and what's abnormal. Because if NVIDIA started breaking down below 400, that could be mm -hmm. a warning sign. Look out below. Exactly. Yeah. So looking at the fundamentals in combination with the price action, what the volume is doing, looking at support and resistance and the relative strength line, those are all great clues to use together when you are making those trading decisions. And because we got a couple of questions, the charts that we're using here are our MarketSmith charts. So you can go to marketsmith.investors.com for more details on that. But we use these every morning on IBD Live as well as our afternoon stock market today show. And this is our key tool for analyzing stocks. So 
Now, Justin, let's go to the daily time frame, and then we'll uh, also give one example of an intraday time frame. So, I think for me personally, the daily and the weekly are the two charts that I look at the absolute most when I'm analyzing stocks. Yeah, and I think a lot of us do the same. This is something that we again learned from Bill O'Neill when he was starting out back in the '50s. Uh, weekly was all that was available, right? Um, but now you have so much more available to you, um, and so again, it's it's good to kind of get both uh, both signals. You will see those fractal patterns, but sometimes you'll see something on one that you don't quite catch on another. Um, maybe there's a pullback that you see on the daily, and it doesn't quite show up on the weekly because the 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 close by the Friday was up, and so you don't really see the pullback. So there's a good benefit to looking at both weekly and daily charts because, again, sometimes the information, the areas of resistance and support that you see uh, will kind of uh, give you give you information on one that you maybe don't see on the other. Mm -hmm. So just like on the weekly chart, we look at the 10 week line on the daily, the red line here is the 50 day line. So looking at crosses above the 50 day can be used as buy signals as well as uh, orderly pullbacks and bounces off of that level. Getting above the 21 day line, the green line here, which you mentioned earlier, Justin, too, that can be a place where you may add to a position. So initiating and adding, and it all, it all depends on how aggressive you are. And again, how uh, tight your time frame is. I really like trying to buy a stock as close as possible to those moving averages. So I'm not buying too extended. And then with this example too, I think another uh, key level to watch here is this round number of 500, uh, which was a resistance level for the stock. So just taking into account all of these different levels, again, not to be too repetitive here, but the moving averages and the price levels are just great guides for all sorts of decisions made um, in trading here. And and be be aware of those trends. You know what you what you want to do is if you see that you're making lower lows, you know that's telling you you're in a downtrend. You know, it's really that simple. Lower lows and lower highs, you're in a downtrend, uh, as opposed to when you are looking at higher lows and higher highs, that's telling you you're in an uptrend. And right now, you can see short term on the daily, uh, we're seeing that. And you mentioned, let's take a look at the intraday chart, maybe go to the 60 minute. Um, and, you know, if you, if you go to the 60 minute, you can kind of see, well, since December 4th, uh, we have kind of shifted here. We we broke that trend, and then the next time we pulled back, it was higher than it was at the previous low. The next time we pulled back, it was higher than it was at the previous low, and that's what's been continuing. So again, you can just very easily see, are we making progress? Are we making a trend that's higher? And uh, you know, this is again very short term, but you can see it uh, how it changed from that downtrend to an uptrend, uh, and. Again, depending on your time frame, you're going to be looking at these uh, changes in trend to help you identify your buy triggers. Right. Uh, and I think another concept for us to discuss, we're not in peak earning season right now, but that's a lot of times where we see the most volatility for stocks. So going back to the the whole premise of, uh, you know, being too quick on the trigger, maybe something sells off at the open, but it ends up recovering. You know, how do we use those intraday charts to our advantage to either keep us in if we're holding something and it sells off? Or 
if we are looking to buy and we don't want to be buying too extended, I think intraday charts can really come into handy uh, in a number of scenarios. This this is for the personality of traders who can be a little bit more hands-on, of course. Uh, and a stock that's moving a lot today, again, this is not on earnings, but it is on news, and that's Shift for Payments, F-O-U-R. So if we go down to a five-minute time frame, maybe you know we'll we'll just see an example here uh, over the last two days, really, of uh, the kind of volatility uh, that you might see, whether it's on a news announcement, uh, acquisition news, earnings, trial data, uh, something like that. So tell us what you're seeing here on the intraday, Justin. Well, absolutely. First, you know, one of the first things that jumps out is how quickly this uh, had a little bit of a downtrend on this chart here. And it immediately, you know, something happened that got people's attention. Now, again, sometimes you don't know what that is at the time. You know, sometimes you can kind of, it alerts you, oh, start looking. Um, it can be earnings, it could be news, it could be, but something happened that really captured attention. Sometimes it could just be an institution, um, you know, putting, you know, putting a lot of money to work. Sometimes it could be uh, something as simple as someone put it on their newsletter and uh, it, it moved the stock. But whatever happened, it certainly made uh, for change its character at that point where you have the arrow. Now, it did come in, but you here again, notice how it didn't come in down to the low. It made a higher low. So, so far, so good on that. Uh, it recovered and made another uh, move up to 75. And yes, you can say, well, that's a lower high, not up to the, the 76 and change area. But then when it pulls back, you again, are you're, you're pulling back right to 73, uh, a little bit below another higher low. So you definitely are seeing a change in the trend here. Um, now it's just a matter of also identifying these ranges. So I think the, the range here that you're, you're pointing out that peak you know, that's something that you have to be watching. Uh, you've got another peak on the, you know, around 75 and another one just below 75. These are the areas to watch. And again, by looking at the intraday chart, you're getting a little bit more of this granularity. Um, and if you need to keep your stop tight, well, that last low uh, right below 73 can be a place where you aren't going to give up much room, um, but could see a lot of potential gain from there. So a lot of times with uh, swing trading, that's what you're doing or day trading. You're saying, I'm willing to give up a little bit here for a big gain, but I'm going to very quickly know that things aren't working out as expected if it does cross that area below, uh, below 73. Mm -hmm. And so Justin, to wrap things up here, Let's also quickly talk about volume and relative strength and how you like using those on the different timeframes and give me any example you want. Well, relative strength is just something that is, is so important because at the, at the end of the day, what we're really looking for is leadership. You know, you're, you're looking for the stocks that are going to be uh, better than the S&P 500. Because if you're in a stock that isn't doing better than the S&P 500, why take the single stock risk in that? Uh, just buy the S&P 500, just buy SPY. Uh, you know, you've got that diversification. Um, you know, SPY does so good over the long term. Uh, so we're, we're really looking for stocks that are going to beat that. Otherwise, why are we, why are we 
putting forth the effort. Um, so certainly ServiceNow, I think, uh, you know, fits the bill in that regard. Um, sometimes what we're doing is we're looking at the angle of ascent for that relative strength line. Uh, we like to see things that are kind of like at the, you know, the one o'clock uh, area that just kind of tells us we've, we're looking at something with a lot of power. And certainly we are very aware of when a stock is making new highs, uh, relative strength new highs before the prices. Uh, sometimes what you can see is a stock will be going flat, but the relative strength is actually improving. And that can be very an, a very important clue during a bear market or a correction where the market is correcting, but the stock is just resisting any downtrend. This was something that really kind of, I think, cued us in on a lot of the home builders. And you can look at, you know, one of the ETFs, you know, XBI or, um, you know, XBI is, I'm, I'm sorry, not XBI, um, X, XHB. Uh, um, XHB, you know, this is something that when a lot of the stocks were coming down and making their lows in October, uh, you can quickly see that the relative strength line here changed. And look at where it kind of crossed into new high territory. That was just, you know, right around the same time that the price was getting to new highs. And so when you have both the price and the relative strength line getting to new highs, that's telling you something. And that was actually a great purchase of, of home builders on that day uh, as things were starting to look a little bit different with the yields kind of coming in uh, for the treasuries and interest rates. And now we've got the, um, you know, the Fed with their uh, notice on Wednesday that, you know, cuts may be coming down the road. So that's something that's really helped this group. But a lot of that, without knowing the news, you could kind of see something was happening on the chart. Absolutely. And then finally, volume. I'll just go back to ServiceNow. I pointed this out a little bit on the chart right around earnings. Uh, you also have to take a look at where it closes, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is also where looking at the different time frames is helpful. So uh, it didn't have a great close on the day of earnings, but the, the fundamentals were there. The relative strength was perking up. But if you look at where it closed for the next week, it was quite positive. We saw volume coming into the stock as well. So those are all definitely clues of institutional demand backing a, a stock's move. And so just like you want to see heavy volume on the upside when you're buying, if you start seeing heavy volume on the downside and the stock uh, breaking below key levels, whether it's that uh, 10 week or the 40 week, those are sell signals. So using price and volume in conjunction as buy signals and sell signals is very important to what we do as well. Absolutely. And so uh, volume, really, why is it important? It's really kind of showing you where the institutions are putting their money. And uh, it, it's it's showing you the supply and demand. Uh, so you, as you said, you have to, you know, merge that with what's happening with the price, because if it's uh, a, a great day, closing at the highs of the day and there's a lot of volume behind it that just means that there was a lot of appetite for buying that day a lot of people pushing shares up because they were just saying look i i, I need to get more of this stock as opposed to when you see a big day above average volume and it closes at the lows of the day or maybe it came up very strongly and then it came down uh, that's just kind of telling you oh the appetite was not as strong and as soon as it hit that area you might have had a lot of sellers come in. And sometimes the intraday charts can kind of give you a little bit more of the nuance behind it. 
but you can you can start building a story to what's happening that push and pull between the buyers and sellers and volume is a, a huge part of that because it really kind of tells you um, how much is is behind it in the same way that when you're listening to music um, or when you're speaking to someone when you raise the volume that's something that you want to pay attention to a little bit more so uh, you're going to want to do that with your stocks too. And if you see it pulling back and the volume just kind of really coming down to a whisper, that's also telling you, hey, there's not a lot of selling here. The price might be showing selling, but there's not a lot of volume behind it. So that can be kind of a good thing that you're not seeing huge volume behind a pullback. And that can give you a little bit more confidence that if you can get volume coming in on the buy side, you're probably looking at a potential uh, good, good leader to come. Mm -hmm. And I think a good place to wrap, Justin, might be a reminder about making incremental decisions. Yeah. No matter what your time frame is, make those incremental decisions on the when, whether you're buying or selling, and that really goes a long way. Yeah. When I first started out, that was a hard thing to do because my account was small and the commissions were large, right? So it was like, oh, I feel like I kind of had to do all or nothing decisions because the commissions would have killed me. Um, but now with no commission environments, uh, it's it's very different. It's very easy to kind of do those incremental decisions and, you know, take advantage of that. Take advantage of that flexibility. Uh, sometimes when a stock is going up a lot and you're thinking, oh, maybe I should take some off the table because it's getting really extended, start with a little bit and the market will give you feedback. Either that was a good decision because the, 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 the stock comes down from there or it was a bad decision and the stock goes up from there. If it goes up, at least you still have some. And if it goes down, you know, you uh, have started the selling uh, selling, and you can just start doing a little bit more. So incremental decisions, uh, very important. Risk management, as we said, that's you know above all what you need to keep in mind. And then uh, everyone is going to be looking, no matter what your time frame is, for getting those proper entries. Uh, if you can kind of do all of those things, uh, you can go really far in terms of improving your own trading success. Yes. And we're chart nerds. So we're, we're taking a look at charts all day, every day over at investors.com. And you can check out investors.com slash IBD live if you want more information from the IBD team. And that is it from us for today. Thank you so much for joining me, Justin. Thank you for having me, Ali. Always a pleasure. Yes. And make sure you join the Barron's live team on Monday, where Barron's senior managing editor, Lauren R. Rublin, and senior writer, Nicholas Jasinski, are going to be joined by Barry Bannister. He's the managing director and chief equity strategist at Stiefel, and they'll be discussing their 2024 market outlook. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Hope you have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.